Welcome back to our podcast. It's totally been named. I'm Clocky. That's Bryce. And today, clearly, we have a bit of a theme. Why are we talking about Fourth Wing, Iron Flame, or also known as the the Empyrean series? Yeah, that's the series, Empyrean. The Empyrean series. Why are we talking about this? Well, uh, for many reasons. One, it's a good book. Two, it has been a kind of like cultural shock, cultural phenomenon that we have not really seen done since the release of Twilight, Harry Potter, The Hunger Games. And I'm not saying there hasn't been a popular book since, but ever since 2020 COVID years, the lockdowns, reading kind of started to make a way back into the normal, the pop culture and it's just been more widely talked about, not just as quiet, like, oh, I just read and no one really, they go, oh, cool. And, but now people talk about it. More people read. Kindles are more wildly accessible. The prices have gone down on them. So they're cheaper. Audiobooks are becoming more popular. The voice actors for them are becoming, you know, even better, improving. They're just getting great. It's great work for them because people love voiceovers. People love fanfics. People love Wattpad. People love audiobooks. People love reading. Kindles, they love hardbacks, they love softbacks. I forget the name of it. Hardcovers and there's hardcovers and what do you call them? Paperback. Paperback. Oh my god, softbacks. Hardbacks and softbacks. softbacks. Like turtles. And it's just a phenomenon that's really been like making my we all know how I feel about the Hunger Games. My Hunger Games heart's so happy to be seeing the phenomenon of people racing to get this book. It's sold out in stores. You have to pre-order it months at a time. You have to wait in line to get this book and they may not have it. It's, there were midnight release parties where they had themed events like uh, they were doing, some places I know did like temporary dragon tattoos and they did like threshing where they'd pull a dragon out of a hat. They had like shrines. By the way, this podcast of fourth wing and iron flame will have a lot of spoilers in it so if you have not finished the book please come back after and i'm about to mention one that's why um if you have not finished it we're going to be talking about a lot of theories and things we think the way we reacted the way we cried put that there first but also part of those midnight release parties were like shrines to liam so people could pay their respects to him because it's tragic one of the worst deaths ever uh, but it's just making my reading heart so happy that it's like, I don't want to say I was ever ashamed of reading, but like, you'd be like, oh, I read a lot. People would just be like, okay. But now it's like, oh, I read too. And it's just so much more popular to find somebody else who's read and is reading more books. And yes, I know the culture of Sarah J. Moss books, Akatar, all them, they're good too, but nothing's quite reaching the level Fourth Wing and Iron Flame are. So I got my friends who aren't big readers addicted to audiobooks, and now we're going to be talking about that. And Bryce is the one that I've mostly gotten addicted to this. So we're going to do this. We're going to put Iron Flame aside for the bit, and we're going to do Fourth Wing first. This was my original copy I bought. Um, Honestly, I think I bought this January of 2023 i think i bought this before it actually became overwhelmingly popular so i do have the dragon gilded edges book uh, eventually they stopped making these ones as much and just did the black ones people started um 
hand painting them and making them on Etsy and stuff and getting their own covers. There are exclusive editions with fairy loot, owl crate, blah, 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 and stuff like that. You can find those on Mercari websites and stuff, and you can find a whole bunch of special editions that way. However, I did buy this before Fourth Wing started selling out, so I do have a really pretty edition. And I didn't know it was going to be as popular as it was. I just picked it up because somebody said, hey, do you like Hunger Games and Dragons? And I went, yeah, I love the Hunger Games. So I picked it up and then all of a sudden it was everywhere. I did, when the TikTok came out, say, hey, there's a special edition of Fourth Wing or possibly something. It was an unnamed book. I immediately pre-ordered it without question. And now I have that. It wasn't even a picture of the cover. It wasn't even a picture of the cover. I do think the, I do kind of like the red versus the gold a little bit better. I think the gold makes more sense for the first book because of Andarna. But personally, I just think the red looks a little bit prettier. As far as special editions and holiday editions go, I am rather disappointed with this one, though, where with this one, it has embossing. So if you touch the cover, you can tell that the black ink has been embossed into it. The gold wraps around all the way on the dust jacket. It has the printed dragons on the side. Where this one is not embossed, it's just printed. The red does not wrap around. It stops and it's black only. There's no dragons printed. And as far as exclusive content, it is about 20 pages. 20 pages. For it being as expensive as it was, this is a pretty disappointing special edition. However, I still am obsessed with Zayden's POV from it. We got some information on Segale, which we'll mention. All sorts of stuff like that. But those are my reviews on just what the covers look like. My original's prettier. I think this is still pretty. But that's that. Now we're getting into it. Fourth wing. Oh boy. I uh, originally started listening to it in the car after I had read it, and mm. I had my friends in the car, and I just kind of forced them to listen to the audiobook because I happened to be driving. Like it was like a two-hour drive somewhere, and by the time we got there, everyone was like, "Well, I need to know what happens next." So they all started downloading the audiobook, and here we are. And they all went back and listened to it. Now everybody's addicted to the dragon. Well, because I remember when you first started listening to it you were recommending like, hey, I think Bryce would like this. You should listen to it on audiobook. Kind of like offhanded. And then eventually when we were in the car listening to it, I was like, no, you know what? She's right. This does sound really fucking cool. It's something about a war college for becoming a dragon rider really just... It's it's the really war college me. and then just like having dragons together like because game of thrones has dragons in it yeah like they're kind of just there whereas in fourth wing they are the central focus it's as close as to having a book about dragons can be without a dragon being the main character and the focal point of the story but i think the dragons are the main characters oh they are the but series is violet called the empyrean you yeah. think the dragons are not the main characters? I think Violet, Zayden, and them are along for the ride. There's some shit going to happen with these dragons, and they know way more than they're letting on. The third book is going to have a... I think is going to be so much more dragon-focused. If we don't get a chapter from either Taren or Andarna's perspective in the third book, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right now. Fourth Wing was... Absolutely. Page-turning, iconic. I love 
the one thing that I love that Rebecca Yaros does is the chapters having the pretty, you know, dragon. And I always love the little excerpts from different sections of whether it's something from Brennan or something from the scribes or something from the codex. I love these little snippets of information that always keep getting dropped. And it's very interesting the way she uses it and how she mentions like who wrote it. And by saying like Colonel or Lieutenant Colonel, you can kind of tell what era they've written that note in. And it leads you to start piecing things together if you start flashing back between the books. It's really cool written in that way, but it's page turning. We have mom forcing her daughter into the writer's quadrant. Quadrant? Quadrant. Quadrant to become a dragon rider. And uh, she's a weak little girl. Has, um, I forget the technical disease they mention, or they don't mention it, but it's stated that she has basically a ligament disease where she, her joints are weaker. Um, it, she has EDS. a harder time. EDS. And I think it's really cool to have a main character that isn't like, oh, she was just naturally strong and naturally pretty. Like, yes, Violet is pretty. But it's just like having a character that has relatable qualities in a sense of like being physically disabled is really neat. And it really adds to the storytelling itself. Especially, like, for somebody like me who loves to daydream while I read these books and pretend, like, maybe if I was in this story, it's like, I'm a pretty small girl. If I was in this, I'd probably be getting hurt pretty easily. My joints, I my, I would be a mess. And, like, having somebody to look up to that's like, well, if she could do it, maybe I could. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not built like a tank, but, like, maybe maybe there's still hope for you because just because you're small doesn't mean you're insignificant. I, I also do think it's a good contrast because the way that they talk about the writer's quadrant is like it is built so it's the only quadrant where you can volunteer to go into all the other ones you have to test into with the writer's quadrant from the very beginning it's survival of the fittest and your intelligence doesn't as far as like until violet gets there really your intelligence doesn't really matter because there's a bigger and stronger person who is going to throw you on the mat and snap your neck yeah and i do love a book that's got no holds bar of like we'll just kill you and you're like oh yeah all right Mm -hmm. i mean i hate crying over lost (laughs) characters but i love when a book isn't scared to kill characters where like some seasons or shows are like this show has been going on for 14 seasons Everyone always somehow lives, and you're like, yeah, how, why, why do they keep coming back to life? Like, uh... but then also like even the shocking deaths of the characters um, that like you have come to know and love. If it's like, even if it's just abrupt and sudden, it's a reminder that yes, no one here is safe, and not everyone is going to die in a long, drawn out, half chapter long, like bleeding out on the battlefield, you know, monologue of, you know, you were your, my best friend and all this kind of stuff. Just, nope, someone just, just drops dead right next to you. The first death, I think, that really got me in the first book, and it really got Violet too, is when they're on the gauntlet and she just falls on the first day of training and she just dies right in front of Violet. Yeah, and she was- And you're just like, like- and she had said, like, yeah, th- like she was one of the more like physically fit members of their squad, and just mm-hmm. and she was excited to be on the gauntlet, and she was ready to go. She'd been amped about it, 
and then she just falls and dies and Violet just like watched her eyes as she died and you're like oh they want to make sure you remember that this isn't going to be a fun story this is going to hurt yeah because you get kind of comfortable for a little bit after the parapet because they start doing like the general teaching of like here's your lessons here's where this is we're doing some mat fighting and a few people get hurt and maybe like i think one or two people died in the mat area but like you don't really see a intense death until the gauntlet and you're like all right this story is gonna be a bit darker than i was ready for it's not a a regular college story Mm -hmm. and the development of her coming out of her being a scribe to becoming a writer is really great it's a great development i think everybody has great character development except for fucking dane book one okay book one dane can go to hell book one just putting that out there but even even though you're mad at dane it's still a really interesting story aspect of who he is and what he does and like yeah i hate him but you kind of like love to hate him because you listen to what he does and then as you see in the second book you're gonna be like i get it now but it's just i think every character whether you hate them or not is very interesting except for varic varus fuck that guy Farish? <clears throat> See, the problem... Okay, we, we can talk about Iron Flame in a second, but... For, We're just for, finishing our synopsis, then we can start jumping around. Yeah. Um, so then let's see. They go through the gauntlet, which leads to presentation. Refreshing. Presentation. Oh, presentation, presentation was a very... I kind of trauma-blocked that one. That It one... was a such a short section, but it was a lot. Yeah, it was... I. I forgot her name because she's she she died in the most like poetic way that i was so happy for her to die in but she was like the the bitchy member of violet squad who's Mm. like talking down to everyone else who's like understandably scared of these three ton four school bus tall lizards with wings (laughs) that are breathing fire and people are understandably scared and the point of this is the dragons who are agreeing to who have have decided to bond now can basically get the like a uh, uh, choose their speed. rider yeah like and, and just get a feel for okay i want that kid i want that guy i I don't want her i will probably eat him um and they're just walking you know five feet apart and they said that and i was like mm, that's interesting oh it's because if the kid in front of you gets incinerated you won't get caught in it um and then from presentation there was almost, two yeah two from presentation you immediately go into threshing and this probably was my favorite part of the first book threshing was really neat mm-hmm. so what they do is they uh basically let all of the cadets in the rider quadrant loose in the fields down the hill from the war college Bezgaya. and it's um, like good luck don't die yeah. if you do you suck <laughs> that's if if you die uh so what one thing i forgot is what they do every morning at this war college is you line up for formation and then they read the death list they read the they read the names so messed of up the cadets or 
think in the first book they only do cadets, but they they do the cadets who had died yesterday. Yeah, pretty much any cadet or because uh, as soon as they cross the ferry, they're cadets. So cadets, yeah. wing leaders, anyone Squad in command, section leader. Um, and one thing I really do wish they would touch on more in the books is like the gods because they have like they have the god of war, the god of luck, and the god of death, and they talk about Malak a lot. Um, and basically the only, the way that it works in their religion, and I could be wrong on this part for Malik is when they read the death list or the death toll, that is the last time that that person's name is supposed to be said. Yes. Because Malik now owns them. Um, and like in the, in the beginning of the book, they're like, yeah, you know, we're on the 10th name. And then you get through like the gauntlet and like, yeah, we're on the 70th name. Um, and you, you have just to have to stand in formation and listen to names get rattled off, and it's like that's traumatizing. Yeah. Um, but then for threshing, what they do is they release you, and they say if you have like like listen to your basically saying like listen to your gut. If you feel something pulling towards you, follow that urge, um, because that means that a dragon has decided that it will bond with you. And it's calling to you. And so they let him loose. And this is the first time in the, uh, like their first year where there are no rules when it comes to killing another cadet. Um, and nobody can intervene. No one's the, the, the second and third years are on their dragons and patrolling but they are not allowed to intervene. If, if they see like their favorite cadet is getting decimated by like two other people, they are not allowed to intervene. Um, and this, I think, is, like, is the pivotal point in Violet's story because she sees the gold dragon that she had seen at presentation. And this is important for two reasons, because it is a gold dragon, which has never been seen before, and is a feather tail. Which has never um, been seen before. Which has also never been seen. The way that dragons are in the book is there's black, blue, green, red, orange... Brown. And brown. Um, and then each of them have a specific tail. And so there's sword, there's dagger, there's club, there's scorpion tail, and there's morning star tail. Um, and they touch on the tail in the second book, but the feather tail is unique because it's never been seen before and violet was in her mind was like overhears other cadets talking about how they're going to kill that dragon and so they're like oh i'm going to go find that dragon and protect her she finds the dragon it's being hunted down by three other cadets one of whom jack fucking barlow um that's and definitely his middle name fucking it's his parents hated him and so do we um she fights them off, protects the dragon, and in a weird, again, unheard of event, is chosen by not only the gold dragon, but Terranoct, the largest black Morningstar tail dragon that has been seen since Coda. Since Coda, the general, other largest. Yeah, another dragon. General Melgren. The the head of the army, or who the also the... wasn't at presentation and didn't agree to bond, but only agreed to bond 
because Violet and Violet protected the little gold dragon. Mm-hmm. So um, he showed up. He he showed up. Um, be, uh, we, I feel like we were also kind of skimming over the Zayden part of this. He's a lot there's in plenty. book two. Yeah, there's a, there's. We're yeah, just there's doing synopsis. We're gonna be jumping yeah. around soon. The first book. Um, of she, things that changed your perspective of what this book was. Yeah, um, she's allowed to bond both dragons because, and this is a saying that is so much more apparent in the second book, but humans don't tell dragons what to do, basically. And the dragons were like, we're okay with it, so now you have to be okay with it. And so, like, cool. She bonds both dragons, uh, falls in love with Zayden. There's a lot of that in the first book. Um, and then a Zayden is the son of a general who started a rebellion against the kingdom that the, the book takes place in. Um, and so his father and all of the other leadership of the rebellion were all executed, and the children were left with uh, rebellion relics that are basically like long tattoos that are on parts of their body but are basically like kind of hard to... to cover up um and we find out in the near the end of the book um that surprise surprise the basically military run country is keeping secrets from the general public about the reason that the words are up that the protective force field on the edges of their uh borders are there to not only keep out the griffin riders of the rival nation next door but also the venom and the way magic works in the in this book is humans the riders are able to cast magic because they're channeling the innate magic that their dragons give to them um venom draw their power from the earth itself and the words prevent that sort of draw from happening um where Violet then has to make a choice on if she is going to help defend people who have been, she's been told her entire life are her enemy and would want nothing more than to see her entire country burn down to the ground or fight to defend innocent civilians who have really just been fighting to survive um, in the process. Soleil and Liam lose their lives. Um, Liam has been, was at first forced to basically be Violet's bodyguard, um, by Zayden because his dragon and Tarn are a mated pair. If Z if the rider dies, the dragon can, I feel like in the second book, they kind of make it seem like it's a choice. It's, um, it's, camera, can you stay focused on my face? It's interesting. Yeah, they... It seems more of a choice and less emotional in the second book, but it's implied that since Zayden and Violet are both bonded to dragons that are mated together, that if a rider dies, the emotional toll can kill the dragon, depending on how powerful the bond is, and being that Sigail and Tern are incredibly powerful dragons, it is very likely that the death of their rider would kill them when... So it's the mated pair, if 
Zayden dies, and Sigail's powerful bond to Zayden kills her, then the romance and the powerful bond she has to Tarn will emotionally destroy, distraught, and kill Tarn, and a rider cannot live without its dragon, so if Tarn dies, Violet dies. So it's this whole trio of effects that it's not necessarily like he dies, it has to die. It's because how powerful the bond is, the dragon will die. But yeah, in the second book, they're like, I will choose or something because Taryn says, I chose you not as my next, but as my last. If you fall, I will fall too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I think it's just implied in a weird way, but Rebecca does have a really good way of choosing words to make it seem like you're believing one thing. But if you go back and really reread it, you see certain words are italicized or not said in the head and not said something. There's actually a time um, that there's a sentence in Fourth Wing where Violet thinks of Zayden and says, you fucking traitor, in her head. She mm-hmm. never, ever says it out loud. It is only said one time at the end of um, Iron Flame. I think it's in the Iron Flame when he says he watches Violet sleep and or either it's either in one of the two. He says, I watch Violet sleep and that's when I see her tormented by her nightmares and calling me a fucking traitor. She never, ever said fucking traitor to him. Not once. But we don't learn until Iron Flame how he knows she called him a traitor one time. She mentions it. She's like fucking traitor. And he remembers that. And when she sleeps, he watches her dream. And he's like, that's when I remember she called me a traitor. She never said it. I didn't pick up on that. I should have gone back and, and, and listened to the first one. He, It's hard. Audiobook is great. Don't get me wrong. The difference between audiobook and paperback is that certain words in a sentence yeah. are italicized that you wouldn't notice. So I go through and I I highlight a lot of things. There is um, a sentence in Iron Flame. We're really out of place here. Whatever. There's a sentence... We're talking about the first one. Whatever. There's a sentence in Iron Flame where Violet uh, is talking to Dane and Kath. Kath is his dragon. And says, you really need to have Kath's teeth checked out. It smells like there's something rotten or something else and there's a sentence in there that explains why it smells rotten and like the word something is italicized that like something in Kath's breath smells really bad Mm -hmm. and that it needs to get checked out and it's implying that there's probably something the dragons know or do like venom that they should yeah. be mentioning. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so it does <laughs> seem like it's a choice. Anyway, Iron Flame, great book, tragedy. We're just going to get right into it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'm trying to find this sentence. There, we would be here for another hour fully explaining why signets are important and mated pairs and... And we can do individual episodes on that as well. But we're going to just go from that's the synopsis on Fourth Wing. If you haven't read Iron Flame yet, 
here's your official warning. Official warning. We're not going to do a full synopsis on Iron Flame. We're just going to start talking about things that happen and then connect it back to Fourth Wing. But since we're starting with the second book, it made sense to talk a little bit about the original in case you missed it, skipped it, forgot it. Moving on. <laughs> Iron Flame continues where Fourth Wing left off. Violet and Zayden and some others are behind the wards. They end up going back to Bezgaeth. They start completing their second year while trying to survive the war, the revolution that the government's been lying to us all about, working both sides. The second year is where they start learning to control their signets a little bit better. They start learning interrogation tactics. So they literally get um, capted, captured, captured, captured by their own teachers, beaten, poisoned, Bones broken, punched, abused, just to see if they'll survive interrogation. So there's a lot of interrogation tactics. So you get to watch the main characters um get their uh, shit beat in very fucked uply. Um, because they come back to Bezgaeth, there is a new character introduced called Verish. Bertrand he Verish. is let loose in Bezgaeth War College, basically to put Violet on a leash because Violet clearly knows something that she shouldn't know. And secrets die. Or secrets... Secrets die with those who keep them. Or secrets... The secrets die with the deaths of those who keep them. God, what is the freaking sentence? Secrets... Are best kept by the dead or something? No. No, it's incoming. Not yet, Verish. Um, I couldn't even begin to remember where in the book, in the audiobook, it would be. I'm gonna find it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, and then when in a particularly brutal torturing session, uh, Zayden breaks back into Bezgaia, uh, frees her. And this is where we get redemption for Dane. Um, <clears throat> he, his signet is the ability to see someone's memories, um, and she forces him to see the memory of what happened uh, at the end of War Games at the end of her first year. Um, and he sees this, stabs Varish, Violet finishes him off, and then calls formation for all of the writers, tells them exactly what has been kept from them from them this whole time, and around half of the writer's quadrant, so around 100 or something writers, all get on their dragons and fly to Eurasia, the kingdom, or the, the city in the south of the continent, of Nav or the country of Navarre, where uh, Zayden has been rebuilding. They stay there for a bit, enlist the help of a 
bunch of Griffin Riders uh, because their academy, Cliffsbane, um, was attacked by the Venon, so they now have no place to really rest that can sustain them. And then we get a good kind of like a contrast of the difference between the Riders of Bezgaia and the Flyers of Cliffsbane. Make some new friends, make some new enemies. Um, and then General Melgren calls Zayden and Violet and Mira, uh, Violet's older sister, to sort of a meeting, uh, asking for their help. Did you find it? Goddamn. I let her. Secrets die with the people who keep them. That's it. Um... They at first decide not to help and then go back. Um, and again, this is where the sort of saying for Violet of you have the heart of a writer, but the mind of a scribe. And there is a tricky little sort of bit that the relic holders, the, the children of the rebellion have um, where General Melgren's signet allows him to see the outcome of any battle, but he is unable to see the outcome of a battle where three or more of these rebellion relic holders are involved. Um, and so there would have been no way for him to see the outcome of the battle if they were to go help, and that's because the Venon were not attacking this specific outpost. They were actually attacking Bezgaia. So they, the riot, the group of flyers or riders, all go back to Bezgaia um, tell them why they were wrong and then decide uh, to stay and fight at Bezgaia. Um, it is, it, honestly, if you haven't heard this part of the book or read this part of the book, it, this was my favorite part because I'm a sucker for big scale battles of two less than likely allies fighting a common goal. Um, because the Flyers also come in and they help out the, the Dragon Riders to defend Bezgaia. Battle continues. We learn that Andarna is not a black dragon. Um, she is actually the seventh breed of dragons uh, before, you know, there was the, the, the six, counting brown, black, red, whatever. Um, there is a seventh breed, seventh type of dragon, which Andarna is. Um, Violet uh, attempts to re-imbue the wardstone to, to bring the wards back up and in my least favorite part of the book um, her mom, Lilith Sorengale who has basically been the tough as nails the uh, villain in yeah. Violet's mind yeah um, sacrifices herself to imbue the stone. And when the seven, now seven, strongest or oldest dragons of their breed, their type, breathe onto the, the ward stone, it explodes into an iron flame. The book. Um, I didn't even put that together. Really? No, I just was like, yeah, whatever, iron flame, wow. next question. Next question. Yeah, at that part, I was like, Okay, yeah, no, that totally happened. Um, we then 
pan over to Zayden, who had just finished his fight with the Sage, the strongest Venon on the field. And they go back and forth. They do a little bit more arguing. There's a lot of them arguing in this book. Um, and it turns out that the only way he was able to defeat the Venon Sage was to become a Venon himself. By drawing power um, from the earth. And that's how the book ends. So now we have so many theories and things to talk about. But I did okay. officially find the chapter where we're talking about Dane's dragon. Okay. So the chapter here is... I don't care what chapter it is. It's page 69 in your Iron Flame book. Um, nice. It starts with Dane talking. A third of you will be dead by next July. If you ever want to wear red or black, then you earn it, Dane shouts, his voice rising with each word. You earn it every single day. Kath digs his red claws into the masonry and leans over Dane's head, swinging his sword tail behind him in a serpentine motion as he blows out a hot breath of steam over the crowd that sours my stomach. Dane really needs to check Kath's teeth because there has to be a bone stuck in there decaying or something, italicized. Cries out in the courtyard and a first year to the right, tail section, breaks out of formation and sprints back to the parapet, racing through the aisles between the cadets. No, no, we have a runner. The reason that that is a very interesting sentence is that you could have that whole conversation and skip that sentence. Kath digs his red tails, Kath digs his red claws into the masonry and leans over Dane's head, swinging his sword tail behind him in a serpentine motion as he blows out a hot breath of steam over the crowd that sours my stomach. Cries out in the courtyard in a first year to the right, tail section breaks out of formation and sprints back towards the parapet, racing through the aisles between the cadets. No, 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 we have a runner. But why add the specific sentence, Dane really needs to check Kath's teeth because there has to be a bone stuck in there decaying, or in italics, something meaning there's definitely the empyrean dragons are hiding if we know things about the venom wyvern dragons and how they smell and the way they breathe fire why does dane's dragon smell like decay are and more I... dragons working with wyvern or connected to it or thinking about or drawing from the magic that we know about because there's that, something wrong with kath that would have to not be mentioned something they, yet they explore more in the third book just oh because... yeah that's why i'm saying the dragons are the main character because there is they're doing that they're not telling mm -hmm. yeah um or i feel something. like it would be i feel like it would be counterintuitive for them to be working with the venom though because the venom well not working with the venom but like not there's telling. some sort of connection that they're not explaining that they're not telling whether it's with one side or the other there's clearly something fishy going on if you smell like decay yeah and you really shouldn't because normally when they breathe out even if it's just a short or a huff it smells like sulfur hmm why would it smell like decay? Because that's not that. right. Yeah. Also, you feel like Dane would do a good job of taking care of his own dragon. He would. Dane, the rule follower, the by the letter, by the codex, Dane. 
Uh, I do have a um, hot take real quick. Okay. I actually kind of liked Dane in this book better than Zayden. You know? Because the, the... Zayden was so toxic. Yeah, I'm trying to be a better guy for you, but I'm only going to play games. I'm also not going to tell you about my ex, even though you're going to meet her and you're going to work with her. And I'm not going to tell you that I trained her. I'm also not going to tell you that I had sex with her. You're just going to find that out later. Oh, she also has the power to heighten your emotions, but I'm not going to warn you about that. You should have just asked Violet. You should have known. Dude, open your fucking mouth. At least Dane's like, I fucked up. And I will not approach you unless you approach me. I will not lay a hand on you unless you ask me to. I will help you and I will respect every one of your boundaries. And he was nice. He was helpful. He was forgiving. He's like, yeah, I was, a, I suck. I, I'm not going to try to justify my fucking actions. And he was just like, okay. But Zayden was like, you're not asking the right questions, Vi. You should use your big scribe brain. I'm like, can you just be a good guy and be like, hey, here's the thing. Um... I was betrothed to the because we're gonna see her and she's got this power because the, the they also get magic. Oh, but she can hide. I'm gonna warn you because I am your best friend and we're in love. Shouldn't I fucking tell you information that's vital like that? Like for her to have to get jealous on the mat like that. Well, her clapback after the my woman, my throne shit was great yeah, but of course. i liked the dialogue there but i was like zayden's really toxic dick's book honestly she could have had that clap back even if he had told her she could have but she could have had it before but Z zayden was such a toxic asshole this whole book he's like you have to ask the question violet i'm only going to answer if you ask yeah. but if you well, ask yeah. i might run away or or eh. i won't tell you because i'm only going to tell you I'm like i kind of liked dane better I I get the. Like, I'm a Riddick and Sawyer girl, but Sawyer all the way. It's my dude. But I liked Dane better than Zayden. I think Zayden needed to get his shit together, and he was. Don't get me wrong. I love when your shadow daddy fawns over you, and you got a protective man. But he was just like all my baby Violet, my baby Violet. I'm not gonna let you do anything. And when she's like, you know who you're acting like right now? Fucking Dane. Dane. I was like, he is. So... I was like, he is. Yeah, I I I think Dane was also written a lot better. He wasn't written badly in the first book, but like he hit, everything... somebody had to be the foil and the instigator in the first book. And yeah. because of and I do like the way they touch on it in this book where like she's like you fucking sucked. You changed Dane and she's and he was like are you the same as mm. you were last year after you watched your friends die after you went to war and she was like, "Well, uh, no. And he he was like, okay. I did what I thought I had to do to survive. My best case scenario at that point was following the rules. I got a signet that is classified. I'm literally being tutored by the most vile man known to mankind, Varys. And I have to follow the rules because, like, I may not be an intrinsic, but my signet is kind of on that path. So if I step out of line, I could just be killed for the things yeah. I can do, things I can know. So, yeah, following the rules for him is kind of life or death. He's kind of at the mercy of Lilith and General Atos and or Commander General uh, Colonel Atos, Colonel Atos and General Melgren and Varys. And he's like, he's at their mercy. 
I understand why the way he is. He sucks in the first book, but it makes sense when you find out why. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the fact that you know why in the second book, you're like, I, I get it. And then he still follows Violet for the revolution. He yeah. still protects her. He still stabs Varys. He still's like, all right, I'm on your side. You well, don't have to good. forgive me, but I'll follow you to the death. And you're like, okay, all right. Yeah. Let's it go, was, boy. It was the... Uh, the... Because they also touch on more on how his, like, memory or has his signet works. It's not like clear and you know everything. You get all the context. All he saw was Zayden admitting to her that he's been flying to Athbeam. Yeah, and so so he didn't know as much as you thought he did. Yeah, I can't go to my best friend about this because at this point she's made it clear that not only does she not love me, which hurts, but also I'm not even a friend anymore. So who can I go to to talk about this? I can't go to a, another squad mate because they don't know what my, my signet is. I'm yeah. going to go to my dad. I'm going to go to someone who I know I can trust. And yeah, I can't and fault him for that. No, but... I mean, we're all, we're all pissy because Liam died. Yes. But in the end, it, I mean, it's towards him, but it's not his fault. It was Colonel Atos yeah. who knew more and did more and hoped that they would die. Right. And then when they came back, that scene also, I was like, okay, this is so early in the book that there's no possible reason that like someone's dying here. But just the, the we caught you, Colonel Atos sort of bit where all he could do was like, Get yelled at by General Sorengale. Oh my god, that line was phenomenal. That was so good. It turns out your intuition is fucking atrocious. It was at my discretion. Well, your discretion fucking sucks, dude. I have it highlighted. And clearly your discretion lacks common fucking sense, she retorts. Oh, I was like, you know what, Lilith Sorengale? Lilith all right. Okay. She changed on me this book. Yes. Every time she's information started to come out, and you were like, "Oh, Lilith is just like Mira, go with your sister, go with your sister. I'm not gonna stop you." You're like, "What's happening?" And obviously, the end when you find out that everything she's been doing, yes, she knew about everything. But in order for her to possibly make a difference, she had to be high in command. So she needed to have the trust of everyone else high in command. So she had to do some pretty fucked up things. Killing Liam's parents, killing Zayden's parents, scarring Liam, you know, all the all the things that they did. She had to do those in order to stay a general of the army and high in command. But you find out at the end of the book that she's actually known about Venon. Clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, she mentions it several times throughout the book. She's known about Venon, and she actually is um, attempting to find a cure for Venon. Yeah. And that- it's not a recent thing. She was doing it a long time ago because it is written to Nolan before nolan was a commander so it's 
she mentions it to Lieutenant Colonel Nolan. And in the books, Nolan is a colonel, not a lieutenant colonel. So as we know of, we've tried every method. As you requested, there is no cure. There's only control. This is not in relation to Jack. Some people are like, is it because they've been trying to test Jack? No. Mm -mm. And there is also talk about how when Lilith was pregnant, she was sick and they couldn't find a cure. So there is rumors and speculation. And they mentioned that sometimes Lilith would come back from battle with bloodshot red eyes, that Lilith might be a venom. And that's why Violet was born so weak is she drew power from Violet and that's why her hair is partially silver. Is she drew power became a venom when she was sick. And that's why there's no cure. She's been trying to cure herself. And that's why at the very end she goes, when my power, I'm Sir's power, is fully drawn. See, because I had read a theory that her dad was the venom. Dad could be a venom too. We don't know well, who. This I, these are all theories. That's true. That's true. But but I hadn't even thought of her mom being the venom. Yes, as soon as my sense. power, I'm Sir's power. Which makes she sense. She doesn't mention she her because she can't transfer her power. Because it's not dragon power. Violet or Lilith might be a venom and might have given birth to Violet while she was part venom. That's why Violet's so different. And then it also reinforces what she said in the letter to her dad. The chapter after she dies, where there was not, I, uh, generals imagine themselves dying on the battlefield, but you know the only way that I would die is to in the protection of one of our children. Yep. See, that makes sense. It's an unsent correspondence from General Lilith Sorengale. But yeah, that's what theory is that Lilith knew about all the stuff happening, even before Violet. They've known about this for a very long time. Um, it's possible that not all three children have the same dad. There's a possibility going around. But it is obviously known she knew about the war. She was using her power to try to get things done secretly, looking for venom cures, trying to help people behind the lines. She didn't really want to execute everybody that she did, but she had to stay in power. They got caught and there wasn't anything she could do. She couldn't hold the war and survive. So she had to bide her time. She tried to protect her daughter, Violet, by putting her into the rider's quadrant. Not because she thought she would be a better rider, but because she knew Violet was so damn smart. She would discover the lies and then she wouldn't be strong enough to survive because she had no training and she would be murdered in the scribe quadrant. So if yeah. she found out the truth in the rider's quadrant, she had a better chance of surviving. Yeah. All she ever wanted to do was get her kids to live and try to find a cure. What was the cure for? Venom. Venom? But who's the venom? Is it her? Is it Violet? Is it Violet's dad? Is Violet's dad the scribe? Or is Violet's dad, um, now, now Lee? The one who sacrificed now his Lynn? life for Brennan? who drained all his power and life force into saving Brennan, but maybe had to draw too much power the way Zayden did and became a Venom and never came back. Is he really the dad? We don't know because every time the book mentions you're the daughter 
Violet goes, I'm the daughter of a scribe. She goes, you're the daughter of a writer. She doesn't confirm that he's a scribe. We don't know. I mean, it could, she could be. She was raised by a scribe. But does that mean her dad was actually the scribe? Or was that just her, like, foster dad? Yeah. Step Did Violet have an affair? Lilith. Who's really in charge? Who's the yeah. Venon? How many Venon are behind the wards? There's, there's I've a, seen lot. a lot of theories that Varish was a Venon, and I, I believe that, that. makes sense because they mention his red eyes as well. Yes, and because there's no way that Jack would have been able to move all of those runes by himself. No. Um. Let's see. Speaking of a, a Violet, can we talk about her second signet? Mm-hmm. So the common... I've seen a lot of theories. Because she has two dragons, that means she's going to get a second signet. It was in the first book that she could stop time, but that wasn't really a signet. That was just Andarna's power as a baby. Once she grew out, that power changed. There's a second signet involved. Rebecca has confirmed that Violet's second signet has manifested or started to show. It just has not been confirmed as to what it is yet. Here are the theories on what that could be. There's a lot of theories on... A lot of theories. One of them having to do with speaking to the dead. The only reason I don't believe in that is because she saw Liam when she was being tortured and she was being force-fed the magic-canceling serum. Mm, that Remember is interesting. She was, she was strapped to the chair, so she couldn't have stopped herself from she drinking it. She couldn't have. But how much do we know about Andarna's magic? Because she is a different breed of dragon. It might not be controllable. And Darna specifically mentions. All right, so I have the whole chapter actually highlighted here. <laughs> Not the whole chapter, but the whole section. The whole thing. Where Violet says, where Violet starts to figure out that Andarna is different. And she says, Why didn't you tell me? Tell you what? I know. I shouldn't have known earlier. The second you saw, I saw you after Resin, I knew something was different about the sheen of your scales. I figured I'd never been around an Esalent. So what do I know? Different. That's how I've always felt. It's. Why you feel like you don't fit in with other adolescents. Why you weren't allowed to bond. Gods, you told me yourself, but I thought you were just being an adolescent. I should have listened to you when you said you were the head of your own den. That's why no one could fight for your right of benefaction last year and why the Imperial allowed a juvenile to bond. So again, the dragons can't be spoken for by humans, but they also can only control each other in a sense of their elders. Technically, Andarna doesn't have an elder, as she is the head of her own den. And she is a rare breed, so we don't know anything about her magic because she is the key to bringing the wards back up. Without her, an iron flame cannot exist. Without her, wards cannot be built. She may not be cancelled. We don't know if she was actually being cancelled because she was in the dreamless sleep at that time. Right. He says your scales aren't really black. No, but he is. And I so badly want to be just like him. That line? Phenomenal. Karen. He doesn't know, only the elders do. They revere him. He is strong, loyal, and fierce. And you were all those things too. 
You didn't have to hide. You could have told me. If you didn't figure it out, you weren't worthy of knowing. I waited 650 years to hatch. The knowledge of this seventh breed of dragon does not exist. The records only go back 400 years. Mm -hmm. She waited 650 years until Violet's 18th birthday and chose to hatch to be with her. Do we know that she can be blocked? We don't. But, I mean, I I agree with you that she was taking the serum, so it may not be the death thing, but it's interesting how well she manifested Liam. Honestly, that chapter, I've highlighted everything in there, that chapter where she talks to Liam breaks my fucking yeah. heart. Yeah, He's hurt. like, you're doing so great. Hold the line, Vi. I'm so proud of you, Violet. And I'm like, nope, mm. no, 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 we're not, nope, no, not sir, can we not have this? But it, it is a, it is a common theory that she can possibly speak to the dead because of how well she prominently spoke to Liam in mm. that section. But again, that theory could be counteracted by she was taking the medicine. So maybe it's not speaking with the dead. I think the theory that I believe in the most is her second signet is amplification. In some form. Um, there's a lot of like the the part that I always that I've like is dialed in my brain is the scene in the middle of the battle where she says we have 10 seconds until the next wave of Wyvern approach. And in like four of those seconds, she looks over to Sawyer, who's holding a broken dagger. And then it's in Rhiannon's hands with the broken bits. And then it's in Riddick's hands fixed. And then it's back in Sawyer. Mm, like, I love that scene. It gives me that scene in my brain, like visualizing, gives me um, Avengers. Um, uh, the first movie with uh, Scarlet Witch, where they're like in that like circle area with um, Ultron, Ultron, Age of Ultron, yeah. where they just pan from one character to the next, and like they're throwing this, or even the first Avengers movie where like the the shield goes and then somebody else moves, and you're like, that's the scene I was picturing when they were like, yeah. dagger, 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 and yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> um because it's that one that 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 scene um she might not have in well she uh, and darna would have woken up so like when she's fighting cat on the mat like yeah she's been shown to be able to um like mess with her head but when she was messing with her head before and then messing with her head on the mat the mat seemed like it was so much worse, not just because of the, like, the direct context of it, but, like, she was saying, like, I basically saying, like, I would have killed her. And that's not something that we really see out of Violet. Um, and because um, your signet reflects who you are at the core of your being. And... Mm -hmm. We've seen, you know, Zayden has shadows and he's able to grasp or see people's intentions. Um, 
the violet has lightning because she needs she has a frail weak body she needs to have a strong magic that can make up for that weakness but also she doesn't want any of her friends to die at, at her core she has thrown herself off of Tarn to save sawyer she's agreed to go to fight the venom and the wyvern so that none of the other marked ones will uh, have to die for her um she didn't want liam to be around just because every time that somebody comes to attack her and hurt her he ends up getting hurt in the crossfire so by amplifying you know someone else's signet they have a better chance at surviving and staying with her and being around her. Um, I don't remember if Andarna had woken up by the time they went to go see the Count, the Viscount. Was she not awake by then? I think she only was waking up when they after they climbed the cliffs okay so that's before. when they start learning about her wing okay um then yeah i i i'll have to re-listen to it with like the knowledge that her second signet has has shown up manifested and like pay attention to the actual details another theory i saw was gravity and they mention gravity a lot but I only, think, I only think it's the, like, symbolic sense of gravity, as in Zayden is my gravity. He's what keeps me tethered. He's what keeps me standing upright. I think it would be a little too on the nose to be like, no, she's literally talking about gravity, because anytime that she talks about gravity, she's mentioning Zayden. Mm-hmm. Um, and like not just him as himself, but like him whenever she's going through something super emotional. Um, there's another someone also had a theory that I thought was interesting, and it was um, someone saw said like uh, Dreamwalker, like they're able to see other people's dreams. Because I think the theory around um, the sage that keeps showing up in her dreams, to me, it seems more like it's showing up in Zayden's dreams. And because of their bond and her shields are down when That's she's asleep, possible. she's seeing his dreams instead. That um, could be it, yeah. Because he mentions that they're coming for him at the end. Mm -hmm. And she thinks it's for her. Yeah, and she, like mentions it a couple times but i don't know if she ever mentions it to someone else that like the sage is coming for me um i know there's a bit with taryn saying like hey just leave the dream and go to go back to sleep um but someone else brought up what if it's actually like being able to see the future like possible futures in her dreams mm -hmm. um just because and, and like they brought up the uh and darno said that she waited 650 years to hatch um because she knew like they were talking about violet and she knew that she would go with Andarna. and then she goes how did you know i would like i, I like i was going to become a scribe and she goes yet yeah, here we are so yeah. there might be 
I don't know. That's the part of, of like, we need to learn more about Andarno. We do. There's another theory that maybe it's not necessarily speaking with the dead, but it's speaking with the god of death, Malik, because she invokes the name of Malik not very often. She doesn't actually mention the gods very much. She says, oh, gods, no. But when she speaks Malik's name or thinks him, something happens. So when Sawyer was getting attacked and she said, you cannot have him, Malik, he ended up not dying. When Liam shows up in the interrogation room, it's mentioned, maybe Malik sent me as kindness. And she said, Malik doesn't do kindness nor does he allow souls to wander. And he says, I'm not wandering. I'm exactly where I need to be. She could, because of the fact that she was possibly born Venom from Lilith, that she draws power from a different source, whether it's a god or not. And she could be drawing connections from Malik. And so Malik isn't doing her favors, but she's connected to Malik in a sense. So when she screams at Malik, Malik doesn't kill Sawyer. When she is in death's door and she's crying for help, Liam shows up and manifests in the form of death and Malik. Mm -hmm. So it, it's possible that there's something to do with Malik because she's a godline or something because of the way she was born with the silver hair. She was born weaker, but not on purpose. It could be somebody who stole her power. Because she's more powerful than anyone else, yet she's weaker than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Which is an interesting foil if you don't, if there's not a connection as to why that is. Right. I agree. I can see that. I just, when, when you brought that up, I, I was like, I, I wish that they would go more in depth with Malik and like explanations or like she talks to a, like a, a priest to Malik or just something like that to give a little bit of like a little bit of a nod. Yeah. And again, like a, a theory. It could be nothing. Mm -hmm. Could be ironic. Am I happy that Liam came back and we got more time with him? Yes. Those Always scenes good. hurt. And I loved them. And everything Always. he said to her was great. Do we know why Liam was there? No. Could it possibly be a trauma hallucination? Yeah, but it seems too specific to be a trauma hallucination. Because he was doing a lot of work to keep her focused and to keep her sane and to keep her happy. So if it was just a hallucination, that's a powerful hallucination. Yeah. Ha. Because, like, that's he doesn't just say, you're doing great, I'm doing proud of you. He sends whole sentences. Like, I bet he already knows the Gale will have felt Taryn's panic. That dragon of yours will not be able to reach you this deep under Bazgaia, but Zayden's going to rip this place apart brick by brick. You just have to survive. That's not just a, you're doing great, sweetie. That's a yeah. that's a lot of conversation for a hallucination to be saying something. Yeah. Hold the line, Vi. Hurts. That that when they introduced Sloane, I love her character arc too because she went from "I hate you, Violet." Like I know what actually happened. I hate you, and then from. You I can't can hate, hate me all you. you fucking want. You can hate me all you want, but if you want to, like, I have the letters that your brother was supposed to send to you. If you want them, then you go train with Imogen. It was a very smart way of getting her to start working I, harder. 
I was like, that was good. I had forgotten about the letters at that point. I didn't know whose letters they were. I was just like, why do we have these letters? Yeah. I like I knew they grabbed them and I was like, why? Whatever. And then I just was like, oh. And then she and was when like, Sloan says, I can't hate you. It's hard to because Liam liked you. I was like, and Liam writes, I think you'd like her. She's a lot like you. I think you guys will get along great. And Sloan's like, I fucked that up. Yeah. And then it was the, the just remember she's nothing like her mom. Um, God, and then... But Sloane's character is going to start changing after the trauma mm. of being forced to be used as a conduit siphon. So she develops her signet powers of siphoning, and Lilith antagonizes a first year who has no control over her signet to force her to drain her life force into a, something to kill her. And she has to watch Violet's face as she kills her mom, not on purpose, but that's that's going to fuck anyone up, man. Yeah. But she's like, yeah, just just basically like keep yourself conscious. My like my signet will do all the work. Like just mm. let your signet do all the work. And then. Oh, that that scene I'm not looking forward to because it's it's going to be very heart wrenching. Because I know I know Sloane's gonna be like, gonna assume that Violet's gonna treat her the same way, and is like either gonna try and avoid her or, like, go out of her way to try and be like Liam, but Violet's just gonna. I don't want to replace Liam. No one can, but I think Eric is gonna be the next Liam. I think he's the the making up for it. Cam so Eric. Too. Yeah, all right. Because uh, he's a childhood friend, he's sweet, he's snippy, he's just there for the ride. And the royalty, I mean, he could die. It, they won't put it past him. But I feel like it's unlikely, uh, Rebecca, I, I feel like it's unlikely that he'll die soon because of the royalty line and because that can be used for different aspects of getting more information or getting into the king. And now we actually might start to meet the king we might start going into the higher parts of the government and doing things with the king and the other parts of the rest of the world so using mm -hmm. his royalty line is probably going to be something that we do quite a bit but i do really like him developing i can't wait to see what his signet becomes um i really hope he has a cool signet. i really hope so too but i do think she's he's the makeup for liam but yeah I'd love to see Liam come back if there was like some sort of resurrection. Oh, there's another theory about Violet that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Is that the time travel thing doesn't, or the time stopping thing doesn't really go away. It manifests into like time travel. So yes, Zayden learns a lot about Violet through Lilith Sorengill and Brennan Sorengill because he works for the revolution and Lilith makes that pact, like, if I ever invoke something, blah, 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 I'm going to, whatever, protect my daughter. But Zayden mentions, now, I'm not sure I fully believe this one, but Zayden mentions, I've loved you, or I've known who you are for the past six years. Mm -hmm. It's a very specific time. And when Taryn first meets her, he says, I know who and what you are. 
yeah, I know dragons can sense things, but Andarna knew exactly who she was as well and knew she wanted her and said, and here we are. I knew you were going to be a rider. So there's something that Violet does in the future that she goes back and she warns people or does things. And maybe that's why Zayden really doesn't want to fall for her because he knows what he does leads to his death in the end. So he hmm. she tries to change the future by being like, don't fall in love with me, Zayden. Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't love me. So that the future doesn't have you killed. Because if you love me, that's how you die. So she goes back and that's how Terran knows she's coming. That's how Andarna knows she's coming. That's how Zayden knows he's going to love her in six years. Stuff like that. I don't know if I believe that I... one, but it's a possibility that she's gone back. Because there's a lot of things that pretense of like, I've known for a while. It's been yeah. this for a while. And it's like, well, Violet only just found out today. So how do you know so much about something she's never heard of? Right. That one, I I had not heard of. It's an of, interesting one. one. Yeah, it's definitely out there. Because that's... It's a lot. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I believe it, but it's a lot. But there's there's a lot. When I, I was think. getting to the point where um, Violet took the cadets and riders and they left Basgaiath and moved to Arietta, I was like, I don't really understand how this book be could could become a five, six book series. I was like, I don't know, mm -hmm. one more book? Like, they're getting ready for the war, right? We're going to fight the Wyvern and the Venon. And we're going to team up. We're going to be happy. The war happens in this book. It's only about halfway through the book that they left. And I was like, yeah. that's plenty of time. This is a long book. It's about 300 pages. So we can do the war in that quick. When the war doesn't really happen and they move back to Basgaiath and everything starts to change, people inside the wards are becoming venom. I was like, I can see this becoming a longer series. And I love Rebecca's writing style of all these innuendos and highlighted and italicized things that you don't really want to think about, but you... They are going to get pulled back later, mm -hmm. especially like I mentioned in the first book where she goes fucking traitor and she says it in her head. But you don't find out that Zayden is an intrinsic until the end of the second book. So he read that in one of her dreams a long time ago, but he ne you never get the word that he's an intrinsic until he confirms it at the end. So there's a yeah. lot of things that get drawn and pulled back and forth. I'm excited to see where this universe can go because there's so much more that can be touched on. And now I can see two or three more books. There's so much more to do with Andarna. There's so much more to do with the Empyrean themselves. Why does Kath's breath smell like decay? Why are things smelling like decay? What are Venon? Why are riders becoming Venon? Are Venon actually bad, bad guys? How do we control the Wyvern? What are we going to do with the runes? It's a really interesting aspect and... There's so much more that can be done. And as far as theories go, there's a lot out there on where we could go. But I think we've said the most of what we know. Unless you have any other theories about anything else, or we can just start talking about some of our quick favorite moments and lines. Um, I just have bits on like, and Darna specifically says that she was left behind. I think the seventh breed has left this continent i think they're on the aisle somewhere there's something going on with that seventh breed for sure i'm um, excited to see that and I, I don't know what her breed is 
exactly either. Well, no, either. I I think that like her, like if she drops her camouflage, I think that she would be like white scaled. Interesting. That, like it's the like combination of all. Did they of the, ever mention the what her tail was? Did I completely miss She's that? She's a scorpion tail. Scorpion tail. And there's I a lot totally of missed that at some point. There's a lot of theories that her specific type of scorpion tail is the only cure for venonism because they mentioned that the only way to kill a venon is with the dagger or with lightning and she killed that venon with her fire i didn't think about that and decapitated it i completely blanked on it too but i was like oh fuck yeah Andorna. and then i went back and, li and listened to it i'm like hang on a second mm, interesting 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 um but yeah, and then, you know, dad, Venon, or left the continent, and Naolin's a, a Venon. Any other theories, or should we just start talking about some favorite things that we made us cry, made us laugh? Uh, no, let's, let's talk about crying. All right, I was going to start with laughing. When the uh, okay. Griffin Riders mention that uh, in order to train or become a rider, they jump off a cliff, and the cadets are like, oh, well, do the bodies wash on shore? And the riders are, uh, the, the, um, Flyers. The Griffin Riders are like, the Flyers, that's right. The Flyers are like, the bodies? No, we just swim to shore and try again. You guys are crazy. I was like, that's so fucking funny that they're like, you guys are weird as shit. You guys, you guys are the ones killing each other. We're like, the fact that they're so family oriented too, they're like, I never, we never abandon our drift. We never leave ourselves. I was like, these guys are real hardcore. I'm like, I... As much as, like, the dragons are more powerful and cooler and stuff, like, the griffin flyers are significantly better as a unit than yeah. riders. The, that, that scene of, of, we don't, like, we don't leave our drift behind, that was... So good. Them that showing up to help, even, yeah. even all the shit that's happened, they still showed up to collect the runes and help. They're like, we're better than you. We're gonna do it. Yeah. And there were, I was like... Go knowing, off, Riders. Go yeah. off, Cat. Go off, Marin. Knowing that by doing this, they are cutting off their ability to channel here. Yeah, they're like, we'll fight for you, even though we won't have any magic. Yeah, and you're like, and then even back in kay. in Eurasia, they were like, hey, so we're going like we want to do this, but we would feel bad, like we would feel it would feel wrong to not tell you what we plan on doing. And if this succeeds, you guys won't be able to cast, but you will be safe. I uh, also have a partial love for Dane in the, uh, do you love Zayden? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because after what he said at the interrogation room, I might be in love with him. I was like, Dane, my guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's, I, that's That's the lacking of toxic masculinity I need in life of like, a, mm -hmm. I might be in love with him. Because Zayden was toxic masculinity this whole book for me personally. I mean, I loved the sex scenes. My the woman, throne my good. throne, my kingdom or whatever. What did he say? Yeah. But uh, that was a great line. Oh, trust me, I might be in love with him after that declaration. But are you? <laughs> really? Truly? Are you? Really? Because like, as soon as she says, yeah, he's like, okay. Because he asked um, that, and I was like, Dane, don't, don't do this to me. I, you just got off my shit list. And he uh, came back. I really liked the uh, early chapter 
of Lilith saying like, your intentions are out of fucking line. Fantastic mm -hmm. line. Yeah, um, then your discretion's out of fucking line. Every one of Zayden's love confirmations were great. Yeah. Like, because I love you. Because I want to think you kept me alive those first few months because Thrasher air. He's like, there's no way that there's anything but you and I are endgame. Like, I love, love all the way he speaks to her other than the fact that he was toxic the whole Yeah, when it's, when it's the, the I love you parts, that's fine. It's the you were asking the right questions. Well, she didn't have all the information. One of the hardest lines in the book, less than a minute. That's how long it took for you to fall out of love with me. See, you were saying that, like you my, were texting oh my that line to me. God, you were like, "I'm right here," and I was like, "You are literally a paragraph away from the line." And I was like, "How slow is your book?" And you're like, "I'm reading a 1.3." And I'm like, "Then you have to. You've heard the line. You've heard the line." And you're like, "Well, I pause it." And I was like, "You're literally one paragraph." I'm like staring at the book, and I was like, "You have." six sentences you have, i was like sitting here counting i was like six fucking sentences to the no because you said that and in my head i was like okay maybe it's like a callback because when she was leaving bezgaia with zayden and dane and her mom asks for a minute to talk to my daughter mm -hmm. i thought you were saying that as in like remember when the mom said a minute and whatever they talked about and then that and then like come to find out that the mom has had died or something and then when that happened i was relieved because i was like mom has finally been starting to be you know uh we've seen that she's a a full parent and not just like the face like general Soringale. um but that line hurt classic line we do not eat our allies was uh, repeated about four times we do not eat our allies um Go for the eyes, it's the softest flesh. Just Go for the eyes, there. it's the softest flesh. Don't be ridiculous. Go for the knees. That line got teenage and Darna was Teenage and Darna was a fucking book. mood. This whole entire book. Go for the like, eyes. So squishy. No, go for the they, knees. They were they were talking um like through the bond, and she was like, Well, why don't you do the ooh, sheep? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, also, what's the line at boy, the end? Shout out to my boy Sawyer. You're everything we dreamed you would be, all three of you, and I'll get to see him soon. Now, now, that line yeah. ripped me. I was like, Mom, I know everything you've ever done now. I get it. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. Well, because then also, like, back to that that conversation she had with her was like, tell me what you wouldn't do to protect your children. Well, no, go have your own children and tell me what you would not do to protect them. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the three scenes where Brennan makes the appearance and the first time where Mira sees him, I was, like, on the verge of bawling. Because, you know, Mira had, like, Mira and Brennan went everywhere. And then she fucking rocks his shit. It was so good. And she just punches him in the face. And then the first time that Lilith sees him. That hurt. And she just dropped. It broke her. She was like, I don't care about being a general anymore. Yeah, all of my was, children are was... fucking alive. They all know the damn truth. And I'm going to change everything about what I do. Yeah. She's like, I'd probably die soon. Anyway, next question. 
Well, because it, it was it was like what I told you. It's the uh, I would rather you live and hate me than love me and and get stuck in this web of lies. Another personal favorite. Aren't you going to tell me how brilliant that idea was? I chose you last year for that brilliance, and now you'd like me to congratulate you like it's something new? How odd. You're impossible <laughs> to impress. I am a dragon, a black morning star tail, the descendant of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love the, um, all the times where she was like, are you sure you can do this? He goes, I am a <laughs> dragon. He just... <laughs> I will not dignify that with a response. And then because she does that so much at the end when she jumps off the back with Sawyer and she's like, catch me. And he's like, why would you do that? Yeah, I could have let you fall. And she's like, as if you would. And he was like, uh, yeah, I know. I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't. Guess See, right. I chose you as not my next, but as my last. If you go, I will too. Oh. It's very interesting because I think it's great that she has two dragons. I don't believe all two dragons will survive the entirety of this series. No, I'd be surprised the, if they did. The 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 problem that I have now is they I want them to. Yeah, they haven't explained Venom enough to be like if you like if your rider becomes a Venom, then you are no longer. That's like, the last bonded. thing we should touch on here. Yeah. Um, because Solus was still listening to Varish, as far as we know, but Jack killing Zade. And the last chapter in Zayden's POV, as he starts to draw an un unsteady flow of unmistakable power, Sigal is screaming, You cannot! I chose you! And he just says, but Violet chose me too. And yes, it's a very sad line to be like, yeah, but Violet chose me too. I'm trying to save Violet. But Sigale is shrieking in pain. And then mm -hmm. it mentions later, he doesn't bother reaching for Sigale. She doesn't really talk to him right now. Like she's eerily silent with him. Even when she's standing in front of him before Violet finds out that he's Venon. She's kind of indifferent. She's not really looking at him. She's only talking to Violet, being like, yeah, it's my job to be good. Like, yeah. there's something like, fucked up about the connection between becoming a Venon and a dragon. They, they clearly will still have a connection. What that means, we don't know. Mm -hmm. Because Sigale... We don't know much about Venon, but he drew enough power to become Venon which made Sigale scream. Yeah. Was it a pain? Was it breaking a bond? Was it him absorbing Sigale? And now he's in control of Sigale as opposed to like they're still friends and they work together. What does becoming a Venon as a dragon rider do to that bonded dragon? Because it did something. Mm -hmm. Gale, and we do not know what it is because if that's the case and their bond is broken Taryn is definitely dying in whatever book that is yeah which is going to suck because yeah. I, I, I I do don't... not want grumpy grandpa to die no I don't want grumpy grandpa or teenage and Darna 
teenage and Darna to die. Even I like want them both to survive because they're perfect foils of each other. Yes. But they, they balance each other out so well. But where are we going to go? Who's in control? Who's the main character? Who's the most powerful? What are Venom? And why the fuck is Jack Barlow back? Why is Jack Barlow always brought back? Just... You couldn't bring Liam, but you brought Jack. Although, to be fair, if they brought Liam back as a Venom, I probably would have just stopped listening to the book entirely. That's true. That would have been fucking evil and... I don't know how much sense it would have made, but God. But I think the next books are definitely be focused on looking for the antidote. Figuring out Andarna. Figuring out Venon. Figuring out Wyvern. Runes. And more interactions with Drift and Flyers. Yes, I think the Drift's going back to Erasia. I think that's where the, the Cliffsbane Academy is going to start back up. Possibly. I feel like a lot of them may stay inside the wards now that the war... I don't want to say the war is over, but everybody knows who the real bad guys are. Yeah. They may allow the drifts in. I... Some play... We don't know. We don't know. Until... Until next time. Rebecca, please get writing. But I know like, this take, just dropped. A, I know I read this in 24 though. hours, but let's go. Take take a break, though, because she, she also did say that she did cut a lot from Iron Flame. I know. Take your time so that you write it properly. Oh, me and Bryce, we will be back when the next one drops. But we'll also be back in every other podcast episode. But for oh. now, I guess we're um. We don't, clocking we out to, is my sign out. No, we have to. We have to wait until we remember the name because we've totally have one. This is the second episode, but obviously, second episode. Um, yeah, we'll, check out the, our the rest of our episodes all in the link or the description down below. We'll see you in the next episode. I don't have a sign out. That's not my. YouTube sign out. Usual one. Um, but for now, fly, fly dragon, away. fly. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>